Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me uh, in the infinite sadness is a fellow contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, uh, how we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice sunny day earlier here, 60s <laughs> in our nation's capital. I voted today, or... yeah. Yeah, per my voting sticker, yo vote. Oh, nice. That's how we roll here in Mogoco. Bilingual. Estás en lo correcto. So there were no lines at the polls. Cool. It was awesome. And it was a nice, like three to one poll workers to voters ratio. So it was like quick in and out. Like they were like begging for me to come to their little station, to <laughs> not show them my ID, and just yeah, you look. Actually, I <laughs> I accidentally gave them my incorrect address my old address and they're like no that's not right and then i gave him another one and yeah so that was fine that seems so, legit good work one okay right oh i got my pre-check and my global entry reapproval email this afternoon right before the pod so i'm hoping and looking forward to making use of those before they expire in five years <laughs> and we get our 49ers i like it playing this thursday night thursday night football baby so what more can you ask for it's all good in the hood how about you? Anything good to report? That doesn't seem right to me. Uh, first of all, when did this turn into like a political slash travel podcast is my first question. Anything but 49ers right now. Maybe. Yeah, basically. I, I think the, the long and the short of it is that um, I think our season died on Sunday. That's, that's just that's all I'm going to say. Oh, that's right. Also, the season's like totally over. Did I not mention that? Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, basically the season is over. That may sound alarmist, uh, but I think it pretty much is the consensus across the board in uh, Niner land. It, it wasn't just the loss to Seattle on Sunday, the uh, worse than the final score indicated 37 to 27 loss. Uh, the game was not a 10 point game for those of you who did not watch the game. It was not that close. It is more the the loss combined with the aftermath of said loss that it, it I sit here having a hard time thinking that 
the 49ers are going to be able to figure out a way to be one of the top seven teams in the NFC by the time this thing is all over, considering they're still sitting at the bottom of their own division. You know, they're four and four. And uh, from a record point of view, I don't think you would count them out, but there's just, there's, there's too much uh, playing against them and things are stacking up worse and worse against the team, the further along that this season goes on. Um, and, and frankly, even if they were able to sneak in as like the seven seed, I mean, we just saw what happened to them against a team that is at this point would be the number one seed. Now they wouldn't play the number one seed. They'd play the two seed, which uh, might be the team that they have <laughs> coming up on Thursday at this point, or, you know, the team that dismantled that team a couple of weeks ago in the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yes, I said that. Um, but yeah, it was a bad loss. Sounds so to, sophisticated when you say it that way. I, I didn't. No, thank you. Uh, it, it, so again, it wasn't just the loss, but it was what happened during the course of the game. Kyle Shanahan said uh, in his press conference today, uh, we're recording on Tuesday night, uh, election day, as it were, that, uh, and this has been kind of the, the rumor mill, but uh, confirmed, I think, uh, today, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be out, I think, indefinitely is the word that is being used after he, I, I had re-aggravation written down in our notes, but supposedly it's an entirely different injury to the same ankle, which seems... How can you do that? Is that possible? Like, how can you have two high ankle sprains in the same ankle? I don't understand. That's unfathomable to me. Apparently, it is. Every time we mock it, it takes another form. I don't understand like, it. What? Uh, but it's the worst. This I've ne- look. I've I've heard of like high ankle sprains. Is very rarely have I used the phrase high ankle sprain up until the last like nine weeks of my life, and now I've said it more times than I ever thought that I ever would. In my own. Ever. He has two um, of them in the same bizarre ankle. What? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, schools of thought about what's going on here um, that, you know, maybe he never really got fully healthy and that they just sort of got him back out there because the season was on the line. Um, eh, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not hard to say. He played, you know, pretty well the last two weeks in, uh, in back-to-back victories, but uh, it just feels like he's either going to need to rest for a long period of time, somewhere in that you know four to six week range, which would basically knock out the most of the rest of the season. And if it gets that far and the season doesn't get any better, then we'll just kind of, you know, at that point, it's kind of shelving him. Uh, and then there's also a possibility that the surgery might be in, in play, which, of course, would knock him out for definitely the rest of the year. But it's very telling that that may not even be the worst thing that happened. Garoppolo being out is not good by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it was literally plays later, right? After, after Garoppolo, the play that supposedly re-aggravated or hurt worse or re-injured or injured again or injured in addition to George Kittle also left the field early in the, what was it? Late in the, right before halftime, right? I think it was later than that. I don't remember. So I remember they had like one yard in the entire third quarter. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they did. Exactly. That's great. Um, but, yeah, George Kittle uh, broke a bone on his foot. Apparently, it's such a, uh, such a relatively small break, small fracture, that they didn't catch it in the initial x-ray. So when they did the x-ray on Sunday, they were like, oh, he might be okay, but we're going to do an MRI. And then the MRI led to him being enough of a broken foot that he's probably done for the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> even though Kittle apparently, uh, uh, Joe told Shanahan, um, it's going to be two weeks and he'll be fine, but probably not. Uh, uh, that's no joke. 
This is George we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, frankly, at this point, I'd say, George, just get healthy and, and we'll see it in 2021 at this point, you know, barring any major, you know, influx of, of, uh, of returning players at this point. Um, the other injury for the day was uh, Tevin Coleman, who came back for all of what five carries before he re-injured the knee that had him out for five weeks or something like that. So he's not going to be playing on Thursday as well. Now, the nice thing is, is this is probably the shortest injury list that we've, we've had in, in several weeks. Uh, the bad news is that the magnitude of at least two out of these three injuries is just going to be so difficult for the team to overcome. Every time it seems like, oh, here's some players coming back. Maybe things are starting to look up. Something worse seems to happen. Um, frankly, I think this season has felt doomed since week two, uh, since the the, uh, the turf at MetLife attacked the first time. Um, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know what else to say <laughs> about the injuries at this point. It's, it's getting tiring. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about earlier today is why hasn't that pretty obviously targeted injury to Garoppolo, that late hit was just so late. Why hasn't that been spoken of by the 49ers? Like at all? I don't know. Has Shanahan and team even mentioned it after the game? I think he did after the Jets game. Yeah. I mean, after that, after the post-game press conference. I don't remember hearing it at all. Yeah. If that's your quarterback, that's my quarterback, then the team should be going crazy when something like that happens to the point that a player's running in the middle of the field to try to break it up. And it was just like nothing. Like nothing happened. And I didn't like that very much. And Shannon wasn't yelling at anybody. He was like, I didn't care. I didn't like that at the time. And the more that I think about it, the less I like it. And just makes me wonder how dedicated he is. And of course, now that all these conspiracy theories that he's trying to sabotage Garoppolo, which I don't really think makes much sense. I mean, he's crazy, but not that crazy. You know what I mean? He didn't run out there and like beat Jimmy's ankle. <laughs> like, ha ha, I got you now. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Like in all the games where you can get targeted. But, you know, just picturing another quote unquote franchise quarterback, which apparently Jimmy's maybe not on the team next year. And just what, the team would do in that kind of situation for sure even the way that the seahawks went to russell wilson's aid when he abused the rules and got tackled by jimmy ward yeah and they were like all over him and you could just hit grapple when he's on the ground almost line just sort of stares yeah they need staley so badly for that fire and to tell the players what's right and what's wrong and i don't know trent williams and i don't know if he's that kind of guy or not and I don't see anyone else on the line who really deserves to be saying anything to anybody about anything. <laughs> so if he's not that kind of leader, and it's very good to have leaders who lead by example, but they need somebody to start a fight <laughs> in that situation. And when you just let it go, I don't know. It's sad that the entire season from that point on is just deteriorated. It really Whereas has. there were opportunities for the team to stick together and they didn't take them opportunities for Shanahan to make this team stick together and it wasn't taken so yeah. it's just a little upsetting looking back. I mean I was upset at the time it's just upsetting looking back at it for sure um so elsewhere uh the the trade deadline was pretty quiet across the board as it, as it often is in the NFL it's just kind of how how trades are with the 
with the NFL oftentimes, but of course, with all that's going on with the pandemic and all these sorts of things, it has made it even less of a uh, mover shaker type of situation. But the, uh, the team was a bit of a seller at the trade deadline. Not surprisingly, they were not one player away like they were last year. In fact, they're, you know, not even five players away. Well, they might be five or six players away, but all those players are on their team, just not currently available to play. Um, so they uh, <laughs> they shipped uh, linebacker Quan Alexander to New Orleans for fellow linebacker Kiko Alonso. That's a fun name. Um, and a conditional fifth rounder. Now, my understanding is that the condition of the fifth rounder is that it's either going to be in this upcoming draft in 2021 or in the 2022 draft, depending on if Alexander hits particular playtime markers. That's uh, coming from Albert Breer on Twitter. And I think I've seen it in a couple of other places, but that seems to be the number. So I don't know what the playtime markers are, um, but it'll be either this year or next year. It does come with uh, some dead money hits, not only for the end of this year, but also next year. Um, But it does free up a good, chunk of cap space moving forward especially some ability to move this year which is becoming more and more important as they have to keep bringing players up from the practice squad and putting them on the active roster which costs money uh which they don't have a lot of at this particular point um and the other thing is alonzo will be a free agent after this season so it's kind of a no harm no foul kind of situation i think they have to pay him like hundreds of thousands of dollars to (laughs) finish off this year you know, veteran guy who probably will come in and play on special teams and all that kind of stuff. If he ever plays, right? Cause he's still injured. Oh, is he? On? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he hasn't played this year. He's oh weird. I think he tore his ACL in the playoffs last year. Oh, that's not good. Um, but you know, neither here nor there. Uh, well, I think- actually, like if you ever seen him play, that might not be a bad thing. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I, I think people were I saw a couple of people talking about like, oh, Fred Warner made Quan Alexander uh, expendable. And no, that's absolutely not the case because Fred Warner was already good before Quan Alexander came. It was, in fact, Dre Greenlaw who has made Alexander expendable. The team clearly didn't know how good of a player Greenlaw was coming into that season because they both came in at the same time. And Greenlaw has quickly become a better player than an Alexander has. And more importantly, for this 49ers team, way cheaper and that's of great importance is that he's a, a better player and he costs a lot less money and so he gets to stick around i love myself some Quan. i love the passion i love the hard hits Not as much as the missed tackles and failures in the passing game but he will be missed and i don't know if he's taking the hot boys with him or not let's hope not yeah but knowing him he probably will <laughs> but the only way that i see him becoming Expendable due to Warner's success is only in Warner's leadership. And that Warner got the helmet. He was getting the plays called into him day one. Right. And Alexander was supposed to be that vet. And Warner is that vet on day one. Alexander, he is what he is. He's a known entity. But then he's also known as being a leader. So the fact that Warner, and maybe he's not the loudest leader because no one could be as loud as. Alexander, <laughs> but you know, he's sort of fun. <laughs> but the way that Warner leads the team by example, and you know, he also is vocal at times, I think that would be the only way that those claims could be true. But I don't think when people are saying that, that that's what they're talking about. <laughs> I was looking through Quan's tape over the last handful of games. I mean, he hasn't played all the games this year, and teams were really actively targeting him in the passing game, and it was really successful. And he was really becoming a serious liability. And it's especially in the red zone, which is 
little bit odd. Um, maybe he's just trying to hit people in the middle and, and not caring about his other responsibilities. But even beginning in, in week one, Arizona began to attack the right side of the field from their perspective. That's where Juan often lines up on left side of the defense. Right. Especially yeah. when they closed in on the end zone. And there was one run, I assume it was Drake, not Edmonds, but Juan thought that he was going to be able to catch the guy and he was manned up on him. And he took an angle as if he's faster than the guy. And he's like, uh-oh, <laughs> this guy's a lot faster than I am. And he tried to change direction and it wasn't very graceful. And then he sort of knocked him out like at the one, but he extended the ball in the end zone for a touchdown. You could tell the other teams picked up on that pretty quickly and really started targeting the right side of the field once they got inside the 10-yard line. Philadelphia, they went there on their two-point conversion. On that play, they got tart as opposed to Alexander on a pretty obvious pick play that was, of course, missed by the refs. And then Miami, when they were sick of disrespecting our one cornerback who never replaced Ruth, they did as well for a touchdown. And it was basically man-on-man and... Alexander's on a tight end and he just can't beat him to the outside and scored a touchdown. So eventually the Niners had to like switch their coverage up. So it would appear that Alexander would have the right flat, but instead Warner would come over from the middle of the field (laughs) and he would run all the way across the field to stop anybody who was taking a run to the outside and was successful like every time he did it. Whenever they tried to attack that area again, they stuck him in the middle of the field and a few times Alexander was extremely confused about what was going on. And around one play, they still could have thrown it to him even though he wasn't out in the flat. He was, I don't know what he was playing, somewhere in the general hook area. But I think that the Niners have realized what they have and what they don't have in him. And yeah, the things that they wanted from him, they already have in Warner. So they don't really need him. I like Juan. Love the intensity. I don't like the lack of speed. I don't like his contract. <laughs> so it's a move that makes sense. And that move that actually makes sense for the Saints, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes sense for the Saints. The fun part is that because of the COVID situation, I believe Quan's first game will be at home in New Orleans against the Fort Niners. Awesome. So well, let's get him as much playing time as possible. <laughs> So maybe maybe there was some thought behind it, and like let's send him to New Orleans, and then we'll know where to go with the football. Yeah, throw it at whoever he's covering. <laughs> uh, if we have any players left by that point, but anyway, uh, yeah. The other news: uh, the Forty ers did um, waive a couple of players uh, today after the trade deadline came and went. Um, defensive lineman Julian Taylor. Uh, Sayonara. A little surprising. Yeah, a little surprising, but he's been, you know, hasn't been able to get off the off the uh, the pup list this year, and so it's just kind of like, well, you know, time to go, I guess. Um, and then in less surprising news, uh, wide receiver Dante Pettis. Um, his uh, last play as a 49er is probably one of his least memorable. Um, got, you know, smacked uh, on a kickoff return in a part of the game that was still, you know, where the game was still kind of, in the balance, fumbles the kickoff after the Seahawks had just scored, uh, and they proceeded to score very quickly after that and pretty much put the game away. So Dante is uh, no longer a 49er. The experiment was a bit of a failure on many levels. The single tear is right down my face. <laughs> Let's take that as, a, as an opportunity to get into uh, a very difficult uh, one-up, one-down section for the Seahawks game. 
Um, as we've said at, at other times, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but uh, because and, and this first section will probably be pretty quick. Um, the, the up section, uh, because the game didn't have a lot of upside. So, Chris, let's start with you. You're up for the Seahawks game. Am I allowed to pick Seahawks players? I mean, you no, 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 no. No. For sure, no. Okay. I thought about it. Right. I, okay, no. cool. So, because uh, <laughs> I can name some of those. But as far as our own guys, <laughs> well, I know who you want. Yeah. The rookie of the week candidate. So, I'm forced to dig deep. And I will select one Nicholas C. Mullins for being the next guy up. And then not screwing it up against prevent defense. So he came in late, but still somehow got 25 attempts in. 72% completion percentage, 238 yard, two scores. Sounds like a full game. It's like a quarter. And a 128 passer rating over 9.5 yards an attempt. So overall, not bad. Don't even need the calculator. Good job. Obviously, it's against front defense, so take it for what it's worth. But young Nicholas will be the 49ers quarterback going forward. Looking like it, yeah. Until he makes a bad play or plays a bad half, and then C.J. Shanahan Beathard will enter upon his father's command, and without even trying, will lose all potential games and scores the higher draft picks. So it's like a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I struggle with that one, too, because he doesn't really deserve it, but whatever. Next man up. He's the guy. That's it. That's all you got, man. That's rough. Yeah. So in that vein, it's strange to go with an offensive player. And we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily uh, for lots of reasons. But um, I think uh, if you're going to look at standout players, it's, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk is uh, he's 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 good at football, man. Um, eight catches, 91 yards, one touchdown. It you know, might have, have had a different impact on the game if, uh, you know, other things had gone uh, differently later on. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there. But I, I think he is going to be a, a star in the NFL once this uh, offense kind of gets itself together, which, you know, maybe that's going to be not till next season. Because um, I think if you give him an opportunity uh, alongside, you know, players like Debo and, and Kittle and Mostert and, uh, you know, whoever else they add to this group in the off season, <laughs> whoever's on IR right now. Yeah. All the, the whole IR list, it takes a really long time to scroll through. If you go to the, the team website, it uh, it's like four hours to scroll through the IR list. He made himself very useful on Sunday when it was pretty clear, when he was pretty clearly the best option that the 49ers had, especially once Kittle left. But if you put him in an offense with a hopefully healthy group of, of other pass catchers and ball carriers and such, I think he's going to even be more useful um, moving forward. And like I said, that may not be till next season uh, because Kittle's not going to be out there anymore this year. Um, who knows what, what Debo's going to do uh, at this point. I, I guess he'll play sooner or later. He's not playing on Thursday. We know that for sure. Um, yeah, I think he's supposed to be back next week. Yeah, I think so. But, um, you know, Mostert... See, it, and that's the weird thing about... <laughs> this portion of the season they're only eight games in right um this will be game nine and then they have game 10 against the saints and then they have a bye and you're starting to get into that part of the season where if it's starting to look like things are going to go south like do you risk Mostert out there to get hurt again 
at what point do you cut <laughs> cut things all together? Um, and there, I mean, there's just some questions about about what what's what's going on for sure. But um, and then there's you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about here momentarily, there's questions about the quarterback situation. Obviously, with Garoppolo being out, but um, you know, Ayuk was was good on Sunday, um, and I, I look forward to to seeing more of what what he has to uh, to offer throughout the rest of this season and also uh, moving forward. So, yeah, he's good. Yay. I'm glad we got him. <laughs> that's that's about all I could say. We really haven't seen what he's known for, which is getting into the open field and, and breaking them and breaking tackles and being shifty and, and, right. and that kind of thing. He's sort of changed his game to see the offense a little bit more since you know, Debo's sort of the low ADOT guy and, of course, the tight end so he's a low ADA guy right he's more of the guy who's like stretching the field which is not really his forte but he's doing pretty well yeah <laughs> and for sure he's on like a decent pace to equal Debo summers from last year but since he wasn't playing very much in the beginning of the year he's gonna play week one and it was just sort of a decoy in week two and he's trying to acclimate him to the game since he'd never played in even a preseason game before if he had 16 games, he could challenge Epo's test from last year. And yeah, there's not really a lot more than you can ask for two consecutive draft picks to be hits. For sure. Of course, you miss on a whole bunch of other ones, but whatever. <laughs> Big fan of Ayuk. Still not a fan of when we took him. But in the end, nobody's going to think about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that after, if a player is a player, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, George Kittle was a fifth round draft pick. Is anybody, I mean, other than just to say, wow, they got this guy in the fifth round, nobody much cares where he came from. I mean, it's, at this point, it's just, you know, he's good. So, all right. Some crazy place. I don't know where. Yeah, some <laughs> crazy place. All right. Well, um, now we have more things to talk about because we're going to get into the down section <laughs> for, for, for this week. So, Chris, I'm going to cede the floor to you to begin with. So, talk to me. Talk to me. Let's talk. Let's talk us off the ledge here. There's too much for this podcast. <laughs> It's never stopped you before. Yeah, but you have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> it's just, at some point, I'd sort of like to see who won the election. Yeah, we're not going to know that tonight anyway, so it's all good. It's just so much to choose from. And dumping on Shani and Lynch is just way too easy. Like, nice wildcat play there. 2008, Ronnie Brown wants this play call back. Yeah. <laughs> and excellent call, letting DJ Reed go. Fantastic. As it turned out, yeah, not so great. Sort of could have used him against Miami, don't you think? <laughs> but anyway, instead, the Niners chose to get rid of Reed so they can keep my official down for this week on the roster. And my down is Mr. Dante Garrison. I heart cats Pettis. Did you look up his full name just for the purpose of saying that right now? I did. I sort of was That's wondering what his middle name was. On, on point, sir. Well done. Right? Well done. I mean, Garrison, that was surprising. Yeah, but like, this is very artsy. Isn't that his dad? Is that is that maybe his dad's name? Because his dad's name is Gary. So is maybe that. I think that might be his father's name. Yes, Gary is his dad's name since he played yep. professional baseball. So maybe I wasn't thinking, but I've been accused of that many <laughs> times. Just today. <laughs> Never here on this podcast, though. So Just elsewhere. He once teased us with good, if not excellent, rookie play. After we, for some reason, moved up to draft this college number two wideout in the second round of the draft. And then 
for some reason, he just appeared to stop caring about football. It's only fitting, for me at least, that he put the cherry on top of our 2020 season by fumbling away a second-half kickoff, which turned a two-score Seahawks lead into a R2 insurmountable three-score disadvantage for the Niners. And no one would even give up that half-eaten can of blueberry Pringles in exchange for him. They couldn't find anybody to give him anything. Neither could the 49ers, as it turns out. Just something. And everyone's like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> so we just released him. <laughs> like, forget it. Like, we just can't deal with this anymore. And it's a decision that should have been made before, but I can understand why it wasn't. I mean, it definitely should have been made before today. Yeah. But it should have been made, I believe, sometime during this year. Well, especially considering, as we were talking about before we started recording, that we now have four healthy wide receivers on the on the roster at this at this particular juncture. Now there are more to come. Obviously there are guys on the practice squad who could get brought up. But we have Trent Taylor, Richie James, Brandon Ayuk, and Kendrick Bourne. Those are those are the healthy wide receivers that as of this moment are able to play on Thursday night. So Yeah, so just keep that in Hooray. perspective that we have no wide receivers and we still do not want him. <laughs> that like that is how bad he is. <sighs> I mean I really liked him and yeah, I didn't like the pick like I usually don't because Jenny has to have his guys and it never works, but whatever. But I watched some of his college tape and you're like, okay, this guy is not a number one. And he played with uh, John Ross and John Ross isn't number one either. So whatever. But he was definitely playing second fiddle to Ross and he was a decent number two, but he was never going to be a number one. Although he played extremely well in a couple of games, especially that one game against the Seahawks. So respect for him there. But I don't know what the upside was in him that Shani saw other than his like lack of like bones and ligaments and some of his moves off the line. But then all that just like sort of disappeared. It was a fitting ending. So we didn't get our Pringles, thank God. Sounded horrible. Those sound, those sound <laughs> gross, yeah. But he did end his impressive final season with the 49ers. The stat line of, catch this, zero catches, two punt returns for a total of 14 yards, and one fumbled kickoff return. Thank you, Dante. So to you, Dante, my personal message to you. I do want to thank you for the things that you have taught me through your talents and actions over the last few years. First, your power of invisibility (laughs) has taught me that it is indeed possible for a wide receiver to play 66 snaps in four games without catching a single pass. I didn't think it was possible. I think you just like luck into one. It's targeted once, which tells you everything you need to know. (laughs) And can complain all day long with, oh, Garoppolo, you missed Pettis. He was coming open. You're throwing the ball to Pettis. You're out of your mind. Because <laughs> it's probably going to be an interception even if there's like no one else on that side of the field. Second, and certainly most important because of the brand, <laughs> your intense passion for house cats has taught me that it is not just a passion for old, unmarried, senior citizen white women anymore 
Sadate, thank you, my friend, for showing me it is possible to break gender, age, and racial barriers all at one time. And all it took, a whole lot of cat love. Yeah. And with that, <laughs> goodbye. Sayonara, our friend. Forever. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I, I'm not as like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish. I don't know well. where I came up with that. I don't, I, know. I don't know. That was, that was inspired <laughs> stuff right there. Um, Dante, we wish you well as long as it's not in any way detrimental to the 49ers success in the future. Absolutely. Um, and that's absolutely the truth. And if there's something going on with you, then in whatever capacity, I hope you work through it. And I hope you have a good yeah, career sure. because you're a talented yeah. guy and just keep all those good games away. I mean, if there are any, but it's still insulting. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> you can't even say something nice. When you're- if you happen to have good games, just make sure they're not against us. I think we're in agreement there. Cool. All right. Okay. We're cool with that. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. Okay. All right. You think he's mad at me? Probably. He'll, you're good. You'll get a call. Uh, um, so my down is I wrote down the words, literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> which, the the game I, was played. <laughs> I feel, I feel like that was my, like, I usually do two versions of notes. You write it's out notes. Sort of whatever my initial reaction is. And then, you know, like a day later after I've thought about it, I'm like, Oh wait, maybe. And this is on both sides of it. If we'd like win a game, my initial reaction is everything was great. And the opposite is also true when we lose a game, especially a game like this. But um, I think the bigger issue is the fact that this was, and we talked about this last week, this was the worst pass defense in the NFL coming into this game. And Jimmy Garoppolo for all of his faults, for all of his, whatever you want to say, but let's just isolate this game. He managed 84 yards through the air before leaving the game. Um, You talked about Mullins, 1825, 238, two touchdowns. It, you know, I, whether, you know, I didn't, I didn't really dig into it, whether or not it was a full on, a full on prevent defense. I'm not sure that it was necessarily like that comfortable of a situation, but it was probably closer to a prevent defense than, than not uh, when Mullins came into the game. But I think there was a certain sense that the Seahawks weren't worried about how many points the Niners could put up because they were pretty sure that their offense uh, could turn around and score uh, and match any points that the, that the that the 49ers put up, which is what happened and which is all they needed to do at that point because they were up by enough points. Um, they didn't hit 300 yards total as a team, you know, when you a- account for sacks and all that kind of stuff, which against a team that was giving up a lot more points uh, through the air uh, than than most would have expected, um, that, that that's not ideal. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that is a team that has been giving up chunks of, of yards through the air to everybody. Um, and it's it's not not a good thing that the Niners couldn't go out there, even a little bit hobbled, and, and immediately put it on them. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this in the, in the Niners chat while it was happening. As soon as the, the team didn't take advantage of the Seahawks' slow start, it was going to be a problem. When they didn't score points in the first in the first quarter, it, and they they by all rights should have been up 14 nothing like no no doubt about it 10 nothing at worst which would have changed the yep. whole landscape of the game uh moving forward now you know you make the argument the injuries still happen and maybe they still lose the game but i think the game feels a lot different if those points happen but the 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 inability to throw the football against yeah. 
this bad of a of a defensive backfield who has no pass rush to speak of um and had to manufacture pressure you know and really didn't even really get into the manufacturing of pressure until late in the game like they left a lot of it out early like early on in the game the first half they would there was pretty much just kind of stand back there against four men and four man rush and throw the ball and they just couldn't get it done and i just i i, I don't know what happened now look this is not a jimmy g hating podcast at all we're, we're pro J- jimmy garoppolo in a lot of ways because you know of all the many good qualities that he had but there are questions that have to be asked like you know is this a regression year what's going on is this the injury is it the fact that the the offensive line can't can't keep it together uh you know that they've had really bad games they've had some really good games and they've also you know kind of been mediocre on the whole and and then the the bigger question of you know is he the guy that this team needs moving forward giving given what they have available at other places now i'm not making any commentary on any of that i'm just sort of asking those questions because i think under the circumstances with the fact that he's probably going to be out for the rest of the year um, you can start thinking about these things and I don't know, but I'm just, these are questions that I'm pondering <laughs> regarding the quarterback situation, uh, for the 49ers at this point, Chris thoughts. I have no, um, providing my opinion. Shocker, <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't say one thing that has really upset me this season about 49er fans. And you know, I know you do get a lot of bandwagon fans when you play the way that the 49ers played last year. But I feel like you have to fall into one of two camps. You either love Jimmy and you will protect him and make excuses for him and defend him to the end of the earth, or you hate him and he's the worst quarterback ever and let him go for nothing and pretend that half the other teams wouldn't be salivating at the opportunity to sign him. You imagine Belichick, if you could sign him, Belichick would be like, Oh, it's like 18 Christmases, like all the rest of my Christmases, like in one day. The fact that you have to choose sides, we're supposed to be on the same side. And it's possible that he's in between the best player ever and the worst player ever. And just to say that you're going to drop this guy because you have quote unquote sour cap problems and they do have sour cap issues, but those were brought on by their general manager in their front office. And they signed him to a contract where they could get rid of him if they wanted to. I don't see how you can get rid of him given his performance so far over the last four years. 2017, he comes in, he doesn't even know the playbook, and he turns a horrible Fortnite's offense into the best offense in the NFL. And I've written a lot about it. You feel free to read up on my tag Twitter post. And I have a number of other stories with similar statistics that show that as soon as you entered into the lineup, the entire team changed from being an extremely poor offensive team to being the best team on offense in the NFL. But, you know, it's only a handful of games, right? So, of course, 2018 comes around. He doesn't have the strongest start, and he gets injured. It's like a lost season, right? Following year, comes in. He's playing at a top 10 quarterback level. I think a lot of people are, especially people on ESPN who don't watch him play outside of the playoffs, are extremely critical of him because they think that he can't do anything because he handed the ball off so much when it was working. 
which I have no problem with Shanahan. I mean, Shanahan, please. When most just running for 400 yards against the Packers, never pass the ball. Just keep on running. Keep on running. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what you should do. But for the people who just casually watch football, ESPN, you think they would be more than casual fans, but they look at his A dot and suddenly A dot is like a thing, but they don't care about Drew Brees' A dot. This doesn't make any sense. And they say quarterback wins are not a thing, except they only criticize him when they're not winning. So make up your mind. And then you have this year where right off the bat, first game, it's all his fault. Somebody says, oh, Grappa had a bad game. Turns into Grappa had a horrible game. He's the reason why they lost the game. Not paying any attention to Sal's blatant deficiencies. But you keep repeating it over and over and over and over. And now it's a fact that he was horrible and lost the first game of the season for the Niners. And it's no coincidence that all those articles don't show his stats because his quarterback rating was 103. While Murray's pass rating is in the 70s. (laughs) And he threw two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. But the facts don't jive with the narrative and they're never spoken of and Murray is the greatest and Garoppolo is the worst. But what's the actual truth? The reality is both quarterbacks didn't play as well as they're capable of playing. Garoppolo passed the ball a whole lot better than Murray did. DeAndre Hopkins has uncovered the entire game and comes up with that kind of stat line. I mean, give me a break. He obviously does a lot with his legs and it's nice for him that Salah can't figure out how to play defense against running quarterbacks. But both passers were at least, at a minimum, rusty. Which is understandable since there was no preseason this year. But the fact remains that Garoppolo's rusty crushes Kyler Murray's rusty. And that's not even taking into account the fact that Murray has DeAndre Hopkins uncovered all day long while we had nobody. There are lots of things that we can complain about. (laughs) We can complain about anything. But it's pretty hard to complain about a quarterback with 103 passer rating, quote-unquote, losing you the game when you have such obvious deficiencies that truly cause you to lose the game. A telling thing for me this week is, just looking on YouTube, up pops the somewhat famous interview between Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders and how they struggled the night before they played each other because they knew that they were going up against the best and how they loved the passion of the player and there's nothing but respect, but on the field, they were warriors. And if you see some of the passes that Steve Young, who was a fantastic quarterback and at one point was, you know, led all quarterbacks in career uh, pass rating. Some of the passes that he makes, if Grappa would ever make one of those passes, I can't imagine what 49ers Twitter would do. I mean, they would be like, this guy's the worst guy in the history of football. And it's like, you know what? Quarterbacks don't make perfect passes on every play. You just need to be realistic. He is who he is. Do I have any idea how much his angle is bothering him this season? No. Do you? No. Does random dude on the internet? No. You know, the 49ers apparently don't even know. So to say that he is somehow a horrible quarterback when A, he goes undefeated when he doesn't know the playbook. 
The second year that he's healthy, he leads his team to the Super Bowl. This year, he plays one game while healthy. He's even playing well when he is injured. After they targeted and injured him in the chess game, I mean, he was lighting it up that game. That could have been his best game all year. And he can't even stand up straight. Now, is it obvious that his throwing motion is affected by his ankle injuries? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious that it is. I mean, it's just to look at the way he throws. I mean, he's an all-arm quarterback. And by all-arm, I mean mostly arm because you can't throw with all your arm but he's like trying to throw with all his arm because he's like having to and bringing that up has now become an excuse and i'm like i don't think that's an excuse i think that that's a legitimate concern that you have to take into account when you're assessing his performance you should probably wait until you gather all the evidence before you decide that he sucks because he sure wins a lot <laughs> and when he's healthy he sure plays well now, whether he is the answer or the guy or Shanahan's guy, last year he could have easily been a pro bowler. And is he going to be an all-pro guy? I don't know. I mean, does he have the physical tools to do it? He has to be in a specific game plan. But stop talking about air yards on a team that was built for that style of play long before Grappolo was even an option. Why do you think Shanahan is trying to accumulate every wide out in the league who's 5'7 or 5'8. It's just silly, especially for the Niners fans who know their team. It's like you want to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers because Kill runs people over better than Grappolo does, except last week when Grappolo was like tossing us aside. <laughs> but normally, Kittle <laughs> is able to do more with the ball in his hands than any tight end. Actually, I was that last year. He's able to do more with the ball in his hands than any player ever in the history of football. And you have Debo, who just runs people over. And now you have Ayuk, and you have Mostert, and you have all these guys who are... Mostert's the first and the second fastest ball carrier in the NFL. It's like, why do you not want to get the ball in their hands? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And just complaining a dot just doesn't make, just doesn't make any sense to me. And from my current tirade, you think I'm a Jimmy lover, right? I mean, because I sound like a Jimmy lover, and... I don't want to sound like that because I'm trying to look at this objectively, but when so many people are looking at it solely based on emotions, like, wham, my team lost, so let's go blame it on somebody. And of course, that somebody is usually the quarterback. It's turning me into this like fake Jimmy lover. And <laughs> do I have a grappler jersey? Yeah, amongst my jerseys. I haven't worn it for a few years. The last time I wore it was when he was, the game he got injured, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's been... All Mitch, ever since the draft. Thanks for that. Yeah, just in case you forgot. And you should see our Australian numbers. You should be thanking me. <laughs> well, Mitch, it's all you, buddy. Doing a pretty good job of like playing that ball down on the one or two-yard line. So I don't know if he is the long-term answer. But what I do know is that you can't just cut him. You can't do that. That would be I don't know, like guaranteed. But it's a very, very strong likelihood of being the worst decision that this front office will ever make and will bring this front office down. So if you want to do that, go for it. But it's only to your own detriment. And I don't believe all of the talk about Jimmy being sabotaged by Shanahan. I don't think that Shanahan is like that. But you do need to recognize the fact that he's not calling the right plays when Jimmy's in there in the game. And he's calling a totally set of different plays that work when Jimmy's 
not in the game. And it's not like it's difficult plays. It's like they're simpler plays that still have a high percentage of success. So he coaches two games, well, one and a half games so well. And then he's just like, all right, just going back to what we were doing before. It wasn't working. And then McGlinchey's back to his old self, just getting bowled over by linebackers. Other than Trent Williams, like our offensive line couldn't block to save their lives in that game. Their center, um, Grassau, Grassu, you pronounce his name a lot better than I do. Grassau, Hronis, Hronis. And I, I don't just want to yeah. mess his name up, but he was horrendous. <laughs> he was far worse than third string center bad. And Brunskill, again, just can toss the side. And even on the, the Mullins pass to, to Ayuk, which is a beautiful pass, I mean, he had like a half second to throw the ball. And there's no reason for that. It's a four-man pass rush. And they're playing cover three in the end zone. What are they doing? Come on, Carol. Step your game up. Thanks to the sick move that Ayuk made and a cornerback who has absolutely no idea what he's doing out there, you know, and a great throw from Mullins with a guy in his face and smacking him to the ground, which should never happen on that short of a drop. It's just frustrating because of the bias. And bias has turned into you have to be one or the other. And I don't want to be one or the other. I just want to watch film and tell people what I think about the film and I want to look at the stats and I want to tell people what I think about the stats without them shouting profanities at me. <laughs> like, is that too much to ask from Niner fans? What is your problem people? I mean, it is too much to ask because it's, it's all, it's like all that I'm getting. So I'm going to continue to do it and continue to not block anybody and continue to ignore the comments. They're not constructive. And I thank you for the people who were like, Oh really? You know, and have decent conversations with me, but I've never yelled at you, just for the record. Yeah, but you want to, like, 10 times a pod. My Jimmy G, quote-unquote, love, you know, because it's like, it's like the running joke, you know? He's my man or whatever. I mean, like, I like him. I like him. I think he has a lot of talent, and I think that he can excel in this league, and he has proven that. And the people who want to deny that are deniers. The Jimmy Hate 2020 hashtag is in full effect, although I don't think we'll need to use it because it doesn't look like he's coming back again. So that's a much longer explanation than you wanted, but it's, it's all good. It's well, all good. I don't take notes. I just do think it's important for people just to control your emotions a little bit and just take a step back and think what's going to happen if we just let him go and just pick up a quarterback at pick number 18. What are the odds of that being successful? Cause you can look it up. It's not good. So if you're going to do that, you better keep grapple on your team and then do that. And then, and oh, you know what? I understand that. I get it because Jimmy keeps getting injured and injuries like that aren't sticky. I mean, what's the last time we heard someone injuring both parts? Or are there only two? Maybe they're multiple parts. If there's something to be injured, he will injure I it. Don't know. All right. In closing, finally, <laughs> I just have one ask for the Niner fans out there. Be constructive and just think before you tweet, which is probably a good general rule good for everybody that anyway, no one regardless. ever follows. And I don't always either. So yeah, I try to control okay. myself and I have been very good about not blocking people. <laughs> nice. So that's all I have to say about Jimmy. I don't know. That's all? I mean, that's a lot, but I don't know if he is the answer or not. But what I do know is that you do not have enough information to determine that he is not. I generally agree with you. I don't think it's a cut situation um, necessarily. 
uh, there's a lot of nuance that might come into play, like whether or not he is willing to work with the team because his cap number is, you know, still going to be pretty high next year. And so if you're talking about making him like a bridge quarterback, then there's going to be some interesting situations going on or something. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to get, get any further into it. We'll have a whole offseason talk about it, right? Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, so let's uh, let's then move on to uh, next week, which next week comes very quickly. Uh, we have alluded to this already. The Niners are going to host the uh, Packers on Thursday Night Football uh, this coming week. Uh, the uh, the injury list for both of these teams is extensive. As I am looking right now, uh, if you uh, go to the Packers website and you look at their injury report for this week, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, See, now 12, it's a counting 13, podcast. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 players listed on it. Uh, the Niners only have seven by comparison, but of course that does not include people listed on the uh, currently listed on the injured reserve list, uh, even though Garoppolo and Kittle are both on the, the Niners list, but you know. That's neither here nor there. Uh, so none of those 20 players for the Packers are on injured reserve. These are just players who have had injuries of various kinds. Uh, the vast majority of them uh, are, um, you know, they haven't announced officially questionable things as far as that's concerned. They do have several players on the uh, the COVID-19 uh, list, including running back Jamal Williams and um, uh, linebacker Kamal Martin. Uh, and, uh, Aaron Jones, their running back is, uh, officially, I can I think not officially, but unofficially sort of considered doubtful with a calf injury that he's suffered. He's been dealing with for the last couple of weeks. Um, I think my understanding of what I saw earlier today is that they are expected to have, um, maybe two running backs available to them who in total have, uh, 15 carries in their NFL career combined. There's going to be some passing. Yeah. Uh so the Niners obviously not in, not in great shape. Uh with injuries as we talked about a lot. The Packers are also missing a lot of players. Um so uh I have a friend who's a Packers fan. Uh under normal circumstances this would be a nice week to to uh to kind of mess with them, but you know, we're both both teams are kind of uh limping into this game pretty extensively. The Packers are obviously in better shape at this point, but they did, you know, have a, a rough game last year. So uh, our question was, um, you know, should uh, Kyle Shanahan and uh, and uh, LaFleur, the uh, Packers coach, just uh, play a game of Madden on live television instead of letting the teams actually play? That's that's kind of the question that we're wondering about. I feel like Shanny would destroy him. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just, I don't, I don't know. It just uh, something about, I, I feel like he'd just be way too competitive and he'd be learning like all the tricks and he'd be like yeah. researching on YouTube all like special moves and stuff you can make, you know. But I don't think that really even would special. be a competition. It would be sort of like the NFC championship game the last NFC year. championship game? You hear, ah, hear that, guys? Burn. Any Packer fans out there? Got him. <laughs> I got to get em. it in while I can because it's not going to be pretty on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean the Packers are missing players, but we're at like Redcon one over here. I think they have to lose like half their team before they enter the Niners injury conversation. Earlier today, I spoke about this earlier with you. I was checking out the 49ers salaries and just seeing how some of these transactions are going to affect the cap. And I did not have my magic calculator. I gave it the week off because it was pretty tired after last week. 
it was pretty taxing yeah, yeah, last week. Yeah. Yeah. It did a good job, though. And if my math is correct, without the calculator, but with Excel, <laughs> the 49ers are only spending half of their cap on active roster players. All the rest are on injured reserve, pup list, a uh, little bit on the practice squad. Uh, I think we have like three COVID guys, and the rest is dead money. It's amazing. I, believe that the, I assume that the COVID guys are not getting paid. I would. I, no, I think not. they are getting paid something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know what. I, I assume that doesn't kind of get the cap because that'd be pretty horrible. Yeah, that would be messed uh, up. But you no, know, there's a fair amount of dead money because you know they were a little loose with the purse strings when they first came aboard. A little bit. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't know what Red Got One is, it's bad news, right? Yeah, like I told you, we're now ranked 58th in Switzerland in the wide world of American football. <laughs> so, Swiss fans, um, if you could just like rewind and earmuff that <laughs> in case you can't look it up on the internet, I'm sure you can. And actually, if you guys could just reach out on Twitter because I think you did to practice my yeah, say hello language that you speak. Swiss, that's not a language. I don't I think- know. You guys have like four languages or something like that. Yep. This is not good. <laughs> I've been there and I have no idea. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's just spoke English to me. So whoever you whoever you are out there, I see you every week downloading our pods and listening to them. And I love you guys. So whoever you guys are, hit us up. Maybe we can get a uh, nice little like Swiss interview. I guess we'll have to do it at a different time than right now. But actually, that's like in the morning there. So Hi, Switzerland. Yeah. So, and also, I might need like a place to crash next time in Zurich. So, Ooh. it could be a win win. Oh, I like it. Uh, back to your question. I say, hey, man, it's Thursday night. Anything could happen. Let's do this. Um, I, I think that they should do it because it's definitely going to be better than, it's definitely going to be better than what's probably going to happen on the field. Um, the only saving grace of this game, uh, as Thursday night, this is the great equalizer. Yes, as yeah, that's true. But also the fact that Green Bay defensively, meh, not so good. Um, they've given up a you know a, a decent amount of points, and um, just on uh, just looking at at their DVOA numbers uh, on defense, um, their overall defensive DVOA is nine point eight percent, which uh, you don't want that number to be positive. Again, remember, twenty uh, ninth in the NFL. Uh, their past defensive DVOA is 18.6%. That's uh, 25th in the NFL. And their rush defense is actually a negative number, just barely. Negative uh, 1.3%. That is 22nd in the NFL, which means... Yeah. I think that still sucks. <laughs> yeah, um, they're in the bottom 10 you know, in the NFL defensively, basically, according to the football outsiders. Some of that factors in the fact that I don't know they've played anybody uh, of great note outside of Tampa Bay. Um, And so that is part of the reason. And when you get beat by the Vikings like they did last week, that doesn't help your your case in that particular uh, system at all. Um, But it it, it's it's weird, man. Um, I I I just I don't know the short week is is going to make things bizarre for sure um but i think ultimately the the problem is going to be uh the niners have a lot of injuries basically across the board they're injured in literally every place you every position on the field they have you know except for offensive line well even offensive line um but you know yeah kind of iffy on that in that case um you know offensive line defensive line uh 
linebacker is actually okay. Uh, defensive backfield, running backs, wide receivers, quarterback, you name it, they got players out. Um, the Packers have injuries in a lot of places, but in two places where it counts pretty heavily, they have their starters uh, in place, and that is at quarterback and in the pass rush situation. Um, and you know, those are two of the the things that you got to pay most attention to in the NFL. You got to have somebody, a good quarterback, and on the defensive side, you got to have somebody who can stop the quarterback from being good. Um, you are a wise in man. In this case, the Packers have both those those positions filled with their starters, um, and we didn't really get to see what the pass rush could do for them last year because the Niners never really needed to use it against Green Bay last year because when you're not throwing, the pass rush is not really that that effective. Muscle wise. Um, and, you know, so so maybe, I don't know. The, the, there's a lot going on. The Thursday night equalizes some, some things, but the injuries might just be be too much. Um, the, this, this Niners team is just, just torn apart and eviscerated uh, by these injuries. And uh, for me, as we think about, you know, predictions for this, this week, I just, I don't know if uh, Nick Mullins and what's left of his offensive uh, skill position players is going to be enough um, to, to score points. I think this feels like a situation a lot like Sunday did where it's like, they should be able to, to run and throw the ball against this team. But I just, part of me just thinks that they're not going to be able to do it. (laughs) I just, I don't know. Um, So I'm going to, uh, you know, maybe again, reverse jinx in it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I'm going to say the Niners are going to lose and they're going to lose by double digits. I'm going to predict Packers 28, Niners 13. Chris. Actually, I just realized I didn't, I mean, I didn't totally answer your last question about <laughs> okay. the, the Madden Live, but I did have a good idea. Oh, that hit me. If we can get to some kind of like fraternity drinking event <laughs> against them, I mean, we got them. Because like Rogers, I mean, come on, give me a break, yeah, right? we've all seen that happen for sure. Yeah, because Kittle, Kittle would still be available for that particular yeah, activity. Yeah, so he, I feel like we'd be in good shape. And, yeah, I mean, Kittle could drink a keg before Rogers could just drink like a sixteen ounce beer. <laughs> um, prediction time. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I don't like picking against the Niners. I don't like it either. Yeah, I don't. I, don't. I, I, I have not done it yet. Yeah. You have not. This is true. In the history of the podcast, yeah. you have yet to do it. Oh, really? The entire, um, I think that's pretty true. I think that's true. Yeah. Interesting. I have a line here of, actually, the lines were all over the place, like five, five and a half, six some places, with like around a 50 over under. So we're talking a 28 to 22 game. So we're one score between field goal and touchdown. And actually, one thing that was really surprising to me, only somewhat off topic yeah. is that the line went way down last week against the Seahawks, which had me thinking great thoughts till we played them. <laughs> I guess maybe they were counting on us scoring on the first two drives, right? When you actually have to play the stupid game, that's when it really gets crazy. Like that, yeah. Well, who knew? You speaketh the truth. So, 28 to 22. I don't really like that too much. I don't think that we're going to go with a double digit loss and 20 points. I mean, we're not going to stop one time in the red zone. Doesn't seem likely. I'm thinking a 34 or a 27, a little more likely. Okay. 
<laughs> one point less. Just because of the touchdown factor. Right, right, right. Field goals. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. I mean, can we get a 26? That's just ugly. Yeah. And then we're getting like really low scoring. So 27 to Okay. 20. You're just going to predict a score. You're not going to say who's... What, who's Packers, obviously. Come on, Kubrick. Okay, okay. Wow. I just figured that was a given. First time for everything. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So if this is the first time that I am yeah. predicting a 49ers loss, then I guess I just did it. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. We're, we're hoping for the first ever double Niner Noise podcast reverse jinx. I'm not going to go so far as to make it a double-digit loss because it's Thursday. I, I think if, if it were like a full week, then one, it's one thing, but... Packers, you know, they have put some prep into this game and they have not been prepping for the players that they're going to see because all of them are injured. Because <laughs> nobody knows who they are. So now they need to prep for Nicholas Mullins, Nicholas C. Mullins. And, and probably and, Austin yeah, Walter. And too. nobody wants to. That. Yeah. No, nobody <laughs> wants any piece no of that. No one's ever had to have a piece of that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I see the Packers being the spread under because it's a Thursday game and. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the Niners somehow squeak one out or if the Niners get absolutely blown out and embarrassed. Anything is a possibility right at this point, right, man? With this team, it's such a roller coaster. You just never know what you're going to get. Nothing. But if the Niners do want to save their season somehow, they need to win one of the next few games. And yep, that, I absolutely. mean, that's just like, well, it's not a fact, but. In my head, it's fact. Yeah, I think I, no, I think that's that, that's the funny thing, and that I was kind of alluding to this at the beginning, and I'll I'll finish with this, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll be done here. Um, is that it's funny how if you had said to most Niners fans, "You're going to beat the Patriots, you're going to lose the Seahawks," people would have been like, "Okay, yeah, that seems about right." But it's just the way that it happened, and what happened because of it. Like, you're if you left out the detail of you're going to lose Kittle for the year. You're probably going to lose Garoppolo for the year in that Seahawks game. That changes everything. Like, I think if you had said two weeks ago, you're going to be four and four, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're probably, yeah, we're going to be four and four. And I mean, the conversation heading into this, this run of games was we got to get to the buy at 500 at least. And we're still kind of in contention. But even if that happens, like it's still hard to project them as a 10 and six nine and you know team that's gonna go on a you know five and one run to finish the year because the seahawks are still we still got one more with them you know we have still three more half of our division games left after the the bye so yeah that's, that's really the only thing that gives us a shot at that's just making that's the true. playoffs is that all the teams play each other so they're gonna knock each other down it also makes it more difficult because their division is difficult <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean the games are harder but then yes. you have to play well now, when, whether you can do that, that's a totally different question. <laughs> and and I think ultimately that's that's the thing is, um, you know, maybe we can still get to five and five, but I think given the circumstances of all everything that's that's swirling around, it's 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 hard to see it getting a whole lot better. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, let's let's. Uh, hey, we still get to play the Cowboys. We this is this is very true um and who knows you know be playing quarterback for them at that point yeah really right um all right <laughs> it doesn't really matter at this point 
anyway. All right. So thanks uh, for listening uh, to another episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and, you know, 2021 thinking ahead pieces and that sort of thing. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.